are listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. The time has come for America to hear the truth. We are going to stand with them, and not only are we going to fight for their rights, but we're going to stand up for our rights here in our state, in our homes, and in our community. United States of America is not going to be decided in the courts. It's not going to be decided in Congress. It's not going to be decided on talk radio, and it sure is not going to be decided on Fox News. Solidarity forever. Solidarity This is the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison, here with my co-host and fellow agitator, David Story. It is Saturday, 2020, and we are broadcasting live online and on the radio on WVNN in the Huntsville, Decatur, Athens listening area from Athens, Alabama. A recording of the program will play tomorrow, Sunday, November 29th, 2020, on the great WGOL in Russellville, Alabama. And today is Open Line Saturday, folks. We are running the whole show commercial-free, courtesy of the Alabama AFL-CIO. And we are taking your calls, your questions about unions. We're going to have a party today. It's just going to be real casual. Um, We're going to have on the Zoom line here in just a moment, Nelson Jan Caterino, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. It's a very it's a very Italian name. He's a host of the Dixieland of the Proletariat podcast, which y'all may have heard commercials for on the show. Uh, we're going to have some fun with him and then at 10 a.m. we are bringing on some workers who were fired from vegan grocery store No Evil Foods in North Carolina, I believe it was. Going to be talking to them about their story, about how they were fired, and about how they won their case in front of the uh, NLRB, the National Labor Relations Board. It's a story that the folks at Dixieland of the Proletariat have been following for a very long time, very closely, uh, so we wanted to bring them on to chat with us about it. Really exciting show, going to be uh, going to be fun uh, and, and, you know, like if you want to uh, chat with us about the situation, uh, you know, ask some questions about it or anything else, again, the number is 1-866-494-9866. Um, you know, we really appreciate your time this week and every week. If you want to see what we're up to throughout the week, you know, get our snide quips about the news of the day, then you should follow us on social media. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Valley Labor Report. We're on Twitter at Labor Reporters. I'm on Twitter at Jacob M underscore A-L. David is on Twitter at Radical Unionist. That's spelled R-A-D-I-C-L Unionist. If you missed part of the show and want to go back and watch it later, you can search YouTube for The Valley Labor Report and subscribe to our channel. You should really do that. You should really do that. Help us get those subscriber numbers up there. Maybe uh, eventually we'll be able to make some ad revenue 
on the YouTubes. That'd be great. You can go back and watch the full show there. And we clip segments and uh, release them throughout the week as well. So, you know, you can get just, uh, uh, you know, if you if you don't want to listen to the whole show, but a topic sounds interesting, we release them by, you know, as it makes sense in little clips throughout the week. So really succinct kind of stuff there. We also upload the program on more than 11 different podcasting apps. So to see if we are on your listening platform of choice, go to the Valley Labor Report dot transistor dot fm slash subscribe we also have a website the valley labor report dot org you can go there we've got you know our catalog of videos and stuff may uh may at some point uh uh have a way to uh contribute to us directly there uh, instead of going through Patreon, um, maybe have some articles at some point. And if you appreciate our work and want to help us stay on the air, the best way to do that right now is to support us on Patreon. You can give us a couple bucks a month there. It really goes a long way. That's patreon.com slash the Valley Labor Report. So if we got Nelson, uh, Italian last name on the line now. We're having a little bit of problems. Or, or no, let's say Nelson's having a little bit of problems this morning with his tablet. So oh. he's, he's bumping in and out. He's trying to reconnect. Right gotcha, now. gotcha. Okay, okay. Well, um, as we are waiting for him to uh, uh, to get on the line then um you know i'll kind of talk about merry christmas yeah merry christmas i forgot about that yesterday was christmas i had a great christmas um was able i was real careful uh, a couple weeks uh before christmas got to spend some time with my family um yeah so that was that was good went went back to uh, my parents house spent the night with them on christmas eve eve we uh the morrisons do christmas on christmas eve actually yeah we normally do as well okay yeah so, oh, so what'd you get for christmas the only ones uh well you know i got myself this nice, nice this lee nice lee baines shirt lee baines the third and the glory fires he is a uh he's the front man for a rock band out of birmingham Alabama got myself this nice Lee Bain shirt. I got another Lee Bain shirt at the house and can't wear two at once, unfortunately. So maybe uh, next week you'll get to see week. the next one. I uh, got a couple albums uh, from him. Got some. Got some coffee. Uh, some espresso beans. Oh, yeah. You millennials and your uh, <laughs> your highfalutin coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it good? Have you tried the coffee yet? It was very good. Where'd you get it from? It what, what's the brand? Uh, Ethical Bean Coffee. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, my parents... Fair my, trade my, stuff? Uh, well, ostensibly, my parents found it and and saw it said ethical, and they're like, <laughs> well, he's a hippy-dippy... <laughs> kind of like no evil foods? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> they was like, oh, man, well, that's a... That's a nice looking buzzword. I bet my I bet my liberal son is gonna like that. <laughs> you know? yeah, so, that kind of thing. It was real real thoughtful of them. I appreciated it. Um, got some uh, you know got got a uh, got Super Smash Brothers for my Switch. Lord. So gonna be playing some video games later today. Gonna be gonna have a lot of fun. How long are you off for um, Christmas? Uh, you know, I didn't take any uh, vacation days. Actually, I just so I just got the holidays off, which uh, our president Donald Trump signed an executive order giving us Christmas Eve off. 
made it a federal holiday. So thank Y'all didn't you. Didn't have Christmas a year before? No, we didn't have Christmas. That's no, so no, 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 no. So well, well, a lot of what a lot of I found a lot of private uh, or a lot of defense contractors. What they'll do is they will shift the minor holidays to Christmas and yeah. Christmas Eve yeah, and all that's that. What we do. So we get all we get ten holidays throughout the year. And we get all of the minor holidays. So ah, Christmas okay. Eve okay. is not an official federal holiday. Yep. We get like Columbus Day off or something, you know, so instead does, of that. Does the post office run on Christmas Eve? It does. It does. I didn't know that. It does, yeah. Learn yeah. something new every day. Yeah, yeah, we do the same thing except for we shoot. That, that's why you get Veterans Day and all Right, yeah, yeah, all, yeah. We shift all of our minors right. over onto Yeah, Christmas. that's what my, my, my mama works for a defense contractor, and that's what that's what they do. They get Christmas Eve through New Year's Day off because they shift all of those minor holidays to the Christmas holiday. Ooh. So what what about you? What uh, y'all, y'all get some y'all get some good stuff? Uh yeah. Uh, yeah, I got a nice toolbox. Okay. I think, well, did I show yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You showed me. You I showed me the toolbox. My garage is a mess, as I guess most everybody in their fifties is a right. nightmare. Yeah. You've been to the garage. Yeah, I've been to your garage. Also, I also it is uh, the catch-all from everything. Every yeah. man in in the yeah. world knows. <laughs> you come home every day, and your wife has got something else sitting in the garage floor. You walk in and you're like, what in the world is this? And and it's something that she bought for the house a year ago. And now she's bought something else for the house. So we got to shift more to the garage. And that's kind of the way my garage is. But yeah, I mean, it was a good Christmas. Other than, you know, mm-hmm. we stayed at home. My yeah. parents are fairly old. My daughter works. I work. So mm-hmm. we just thought it best to uh, do Christmas at the house and then and enjoy ourselves there. And mm-hmm. it was a good Christmas. I'm sure my parents was probably miserable mm-hmm. not having anybody over. Right, right. But, you know, hey. Yeah. Let's give it a couple more months. Yeah. Get these vaccines going, and we'll yeah. be we'll be in good shape. Hopefully. Yeah, we we in we we ended up caving um, and going to my my grandparents. But like I said, myself and my family, we we've all been trying to be real careful. Um, we've all been trying to be real careful, so we were able to uh, see my grandparents. They got me a stakeout gift card. Stakeout. That's my favorite restaurant. I love love me some steak out. My wife likes steak out. I don't. That's I'm not a big stuff. steak fan, but she, well, she well. Now, it. see, I get the um, I the get the burger. the chicken, the ah. Parmesan chicken. They've got this. They've got this grilled chicken thing, um, and you put uh, uh, it's like it's like a Parmesan kind of crust on it, and four slices of bacon on top of that. Lord have mercy. It's good. That sounds good. It's good. Anytime you put bacon on oh, something, it's yeah. Good. yeah, 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 yeah. So Nelson's not going to be able to make it on? He said that he, you know, here's the problem with working with you millennials. He <clears> said that his uh, tablet's not charged up. Nobody ever prepares. Yeah, well, he said uh, I had, to let, uh, had to let my laptop, my tablet charge. Can you not charge the tablet and do the Zoom thing at the same time? Apparently he was trying to, and it died about huh. two minutes into, uh, you know, hey. Man, well. You younger generation. There's no preparedness there. Uh, None man. whatsoever. Mm-mm. Mm, mm. So. He can't even correct my pronunciation. I was giving him a jab about having a having a real Italian last name, and he can't correct me now, man. So I don't know. So nobody's ever going to know if I uh, if I was getting it right. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> if Maybe he'll talk about it on his next podcast. Yeah, man. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, but if y'all want to call in, tell us about your Christmas. One eight six six four nine four nine eight six six. Hey Nelson, you know you could call in too. He's back. He's you could back. It's gonna take a second for him to get in. Okay. Well, well, you know what? I just thought about that. You know, we were doing the Zoom. The it sounds the audio sounds better if you do it over Zoom. But uh, we, you know, there is a number you can call in one eight six six four nine four nine eight six six. And if you, the listener, want to call in, tell us about your Christmas. Um, you know, feel free to do that. One eight six six four nine four nine eight Six six is the number. So we got. He's trying he's, to get he's in. He's trying. He's trying to get in. It looks like his video's not started yet. Maybe his audio has. Yeah, and with no commercials today, we got a lot of uh, space mm-hmm, to fill. Mm-hmm, so. mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, and now it's quiet. <laughs> he made it. Good morning, Nelson. Can you hear us, brother? We're not getting any audio off of mm-hmm. you if you can hear us. Yeah, make sure you're make sure you're you're you know doing the the clicking thing uh, to uh, have have your audio coming to us. Uh, make sure you're having the right the right audio uh, input, as they say. Um, yeah, so you know, folks, if y'all want to give us a call, one eight six six four nine four nine eight six six is the number. Oh, another thing that happened on uh, on Christmas is you know if anybody's got AT and T, which uh, David and I do, uh, if you are a union member, you can get a good discount um, by going to AT and T instead of Verizon. <laughs> so that's why. So I literally are you really going to drive people to AT and T? Yeah. Right well. Now? Well. Yeah. Well, that's what. I, well, I was just explaining why we have AT and T. I just switched to AT and T. I've had Verizon all my life. Just switched to AT and T like like a month ago, <laughs> and uh, because of the discount that we get for being union members, which um, is a tremendous discount. It is a very good discount. It's a good discount. Um, but uh, but my service has been out for now a hot minute, a hot minute. Uh, so um, Nelson, can you hear us? I, I'm sure you can hear us fine, but once again, we cannot hear you. Mm, mm. Just oh, call in. You're killing us. Yeah. Just call, call in. in. Call in. One eight six six four nine four nine eight six six. Just call in on your phone. One eight six six four nine four nine eight six six. And if you want to leave the video up, we can stream you on the on, on our on our live stream, and you can call in, and and we can pick up the audio that way. And I just send it to you in a message too. Well, I mean, look, it's it's the day after Christmas. Mm-hmm. Everybody's recovering. Yeah, I yep, drank yep. a little. I don't know if I can say that on there. Can I say moonshine on there? I guess so I long as I don't say where I got it from. Yeah, I right. say right. it was all completely <laughs> above board and totally legal and yeah. nothing. <laughs> oh man! So we got Nelson calling in now. All right, Nelson. Oh, you guys can hear me now? Oh, yeah. There we go. There we go. Great, great. All right, so yeah, uh, Nelson, my, uh, Jan Cantorino, is that how you pronounce it? Jacob, I have to say you're one of the, I mean, you're one of the first uh, Anglos to ever get my Italian last name right, so I appreciate it. Jan Cantorino. Okay, there we go. Look at look at me go. What, I bet you get all kinds of, uh, I bet you get all kinds of uh, crazy pronunciations. 
Oh, it's insane. I, I wish people would just sound it out and it would work. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's what I did. You know, I was just, just looking at Jan Caterino. That sounds so. Exactly. So I'm, I'm just real simple folk, you know. It's not like we're used to. It's not like there's the, the South is flourishing with Italians. Right, right, around right. Here, so. I know, right? Uh, well, so Nelson, tell us about, you know, you are a, you're a co-host of Dixieland of the Proletariat podcast, a sponsor of the show, um, which uh, will not in any way affect how uh, rigorous we are in our interview with you. <laughs> but tell, tell us about, tell us about your show. What do you do? What do you, uh, you know, what do you, what do you do on, on your show? Yeah, so Dixieland of the Proletariat is a Southern working class history and current events podcast from a more leftist perspective. So we're trying to give the narrative that uh, the South is not full of, you know, bumbling reactionaries that I keep getting. Every time I go up north, I get asked all these horrible questions. And I just want to, we just want to break that narrative that, you know, we're not all a bunch of, you know, racist rednecks. So mm -hmm. when we, we look at history through the lens of class struggle. So, for instance, our first episode we did uh, coal mining in the Battle of Blair Mountain, the episode Blood and Coal. Uh, we looked into the history of coal mining and Appalachia and the South in general. Um, then we went, the next episode was about Horseshoe Bend and how Andrew Jackson uh, is not a good person and should not be uh, venerated and how basically slaughtered the indigenous people who just wanted to be free. Um, and we go on, like you said, we did the episode with No Evil Foods. Uh, we, did, we did an episode with y'all. Uh, basically just getting into stuff that you normally would not hear about uh, from the South. We got a lot of, uh, do a lot of interviews with DSA chapters and a lot of other organizations trying to help people out. Uh, we had a really good episode with the DSA chapter in Southwest Louisiana uh, after, all, after they just got hit by back-to-back-to-back hurricanes and how when the government basically fails to intervene and help people, how mutual aid groups like DSA and Others came through and like got people food and water and tried to help them with electricity and help them with bills and how everyone was just struggling, not just because of the hurricanes, because of the pandemic. So you amplified a thousand times, like just exacerbated by all that. So it's basically just uh, promoting voices that normally would not be heard, especially in the South. Yeah. And, t and two things. One is uh, when you're talking about the mutual aid, you know, that's something that we constantly preach on here. And, and it seems like that is a area where, you know, conservatives and, and leftists or liberals can blend together and, you know, come together as far as, you know, they're, they're small government, you know, they say they're small government minded. Of course, they're providing subsidies to corporate corn farmers and the oil and everything yeah. else. So, uh, but that's somewhere where we can come together and say, Hey, you know, let's do away with it. Let's do away with that. You know, let's let's work together exactly. on, on mutual aid and things like that. But uh, but your podcast, what what initially drew me to your podcast was the topics that y'all cover are serious topics, but you do it in a way that still, you know, I mean, it's it's absolutely dead serious. The uh, the free store was a, a one that I really enjoyed there in Birmingham. Yeah. Uh, who was the evil abortion lady? I can't remember her name, but that was another uh, just in the past uh, yeah. couple of weeks. But you do these, you hit these very serious topics, but it's so fun to listen to to you and 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 the pig farmer and and, and everybody, you know, cut up and and have a good time. You know, you can. In other yeah. words, it don't it, it, you don't you don't leave the podcast 
uh, crying in despair, uh, even though there's good the, um, reason to be. What's the old saying? If you're going to tell people the truth, you better make them laugh or they'll kill you. So basically, <laughs> we, we got to tell people the truth, but we got to make them laugh because, you know, we don't, we don't uh, try to shy away from where we are. We're in the belly of the beast if it comes to, like, this reactionary politics. So, like, you know, we got to make people laugh and get people on, like, a common ground. I think one of the, one of the most common grounds, especially in the South, um, we could talk about his firearms because, you know, you yeah. know, you go far left enough, you get your firearms back right. you just prefer the Russian one. But, yeah. uh, it's like, so when we had the SRA episode, you know, we talked about, you know, we are against the liberal notion of, of gun control. Um, we think that, you know, especially minority communities should be armed against reactionary forces. Uh, we're 100% for, um, you know, gun safety classes. I think the, uh, one of the biggest failures of the NRA, uh, especially, around here is that there's no safety classes. You can't, the NRA is supposed to sponsor these programs to help people understand how to use firearm safety and they don't. So that's when other groups hopefully step up and, and do that. We just, you know, we also promote, you know, equality, we promote uh, safety, we promote mutual aid. It's just one of those things like it's not just about firearms when it comes to uh, leftist spaces. It's about, you know, they're just a tool. You know, we're not gonna, we don't want to go out and just, and shoot people. That's a horrible thing. It's a, that's a disgusting thing. We don't, no one wants violence, but, uh, when it comes to self-defense that yeah. we definitely promote the second amendment. I mean, like that's something that I think that, you know, could bridge like the left and the right. And you have to, uh, it's in the constitution. It's one of those things that, you know, we will stand side by side and we may not disagree. I mean, I, I, I disagree with a lot of I conservatives in my family, dialogue, Trump supporters that we disagree on a lot of things, but I'm just like, you know, let's go shoot. And then, yeah, let's go shooting. And then we talk about things and you really kind of break it down where, you know, there's not a lot of differences. It's like a lot of people are just afraid of just what's going on. You try to like plug certain things and get them thinking a certain way. I was like, with the, what you just talked about mutual aid. I mean, mutual aid doesn't have to have a political notion behind it. I no, mean, you have, it shouldn't. Uh, it should like, not you know, at all. Big, yeah. One of the biggest mutual aid things you can think of is after church when you all get together and eat, like the, the, the congregation comes together and, Everyone brought like a potluck. That's mutual aid. You're feeding people who, uh, for free, that normally would not eat, you know, food banks and food kitchens and things like that. That's also mutual aid when the government doesn't do it. So, you know, it doesn't have to have a political uh, ideology behind it. It's just about helping people. I think people get wrapped up in terms and they get afraid and you just got to break those down. Well, that's one thing, you know, and talking about the mutual aid, talking about the, you know, our, our absolute adamant uh hatred for for the second amendment attacks from mm-hmm. liberals that is one thing that that constantly happens and especially on talk radio especially on fox news uh, but politics in general does their absolute best mm-hmm. to divide us and to try to create wedge issues where there are none and, and and people listen to this horse crap all right. day long on this station in general and and they buy into it that that we're so different, the radical right. left. And the fact is, there's not a whole lot of difference in us and them. Yeah, well, you know, one of the, I mean, one of the the biggest and kind of most clear cut, especially at this time of year, is the you know the so called war on Christmas. Like yesterday, you know, I don't know about you, Nelson, but there was a whole lot of lefty folks wishing people a merry, yeah, Christmas. merry Christmas, and I was taught to believe that 
if uh, that liberal folks and left wing folks hated Christmas and they didn't want me to have oh, yeah, a good definitely. Christmas and they, they didn't, you know, and, and so I was real confused you know, yesterday <laughs> when, when I seen all these people wishing me a Merry Christmas and, you know, and, and, because it's a completely manufactured thing. Like there's nobody out there that is like, I don't want anyone to have a good time and celebrate Christmas. Like that's not a thing that doesn't happen. Yeah, it doesn't happen. It's just the, uh, it, it's, it's trying to get through the propaganda and trying to get through just the, nonsense to get to the, the nitty-gritty of like what you know people stand for and it's ridiculous now i, I want to be clear like there's people that i will never ever agree with like I'm, I'm not advocating that we should try to build bridges with nazis but like right uh i think that a lot of like for instance uh my dad is a diehard trump supporter and i like just talking to him sometimes like you get the wheels turning of like you know hey wait a minute like he, i see that look in his eye like hey, well, you just made a good point but like i never thought of it that way before Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've had, we've had people listen to the show that was like, that were either, you know, Democrats or like Republicans. I had one friend that, uh, I had one friend down in, in South Alabama. He was a, he voted for Trump in 2016 and he considered himself a quote unquote libertarian. But after listening to the podcast, he's now like more towards the left and 100% pro union. So I'm just like, oh, it's mm-hmm. great. So, uh, I think that, you know, people just need to take a step back and, and listen. Obviously, there's going to be people that, you know, just never going to agree on anything. And I would want to agree with them on anything, but you know, I think the majority of people are just need to just everyone just needs to listen and stop yelling at each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and and they and the, here's the thing is they need to listen to people. Right. That is the biggest. That's yeah. that's the biggest thing. Is if you're getting all of your information from these uh, these right wing or left wing media, because I'll I'll be honest with you. I, I now that we're doing this show, listen to WVNN more than I do any. Well, it's probably a 50 50 between NPR and WVNN, but I refuse to listen to CNN, yeah. MSN, all the ones that, that the right are constantly attacking. Hey, you know what? I agree yeah. with you. Right. But yes. what Thank what you. I don't agree with you on is that the, 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 the ultra right on this radio station are telling you the truth. It is the exact same thing that CNN's doing, except yeah. for they're doing it on the right. And, and but so really to, the, good to point. the point yeah. is what we need to start doing is listening to each other, having conversations yeah. where we don't attack each other and call each other radical lift leftists or whatever you want to call it. Just listen, listen mm-hmm. to what you're saying, listen to what the other person's saying. I make your I make your conservative fans really happy in that I cannot stand Rachel Maddow. Like yeah. I <laughs> I cannot stand MSNBC. Uh, I think it is this liberal garbage. Uh, I'll listen. I, in my opinion, I don't see any difference between um, like Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity and like Rachel Maddow and yeah. whoever else is on. It's like just Joe Scarborough. And, and, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, a, well, and, and, and you know, I mean, like, look who is uh, funding them. You know, you got like, uh, you know, this, this, um, yeah. you got this segment where Rachel Maddow is ostensibly attacking uh, corporate, int- or, you know, ostensibly attacking corporate interests in the Republican Party and Donald Trump. And then you cut to a commercial from Capital One Bank or, you know, this, this segment yeah. was sponsored by, you know, JP Morgan. And it's like, you know, do you like, if you just, if you just, just think for like two seconds is J.P. Morgan actually sponsoring 
educational content that goes against their bottom line? The answer is no. And so then the second question is, do, do your interests align with the executives at J.P. Morgan? And again, the answer is, is no, it doesn't. Your, your, uh, our interests are not aligned at all. And we need to recognize that. And we need to recognize, you know, who is funding who and, and you know, follow the money, so to speak. We're going to have more with uh, Nelson from Dixieland of the Proletariat podcast and some of the no evil food workers. Uh, we will be right back. Stay tuned. Folks, welcome back. This is the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison here with my co-host, David Story. On the line, we've got uh, Nelson from Dixieland of the Proletariat Podcast. Nelson, uh, uh, are you still on the line? I'm, I'm still here. Very good. And now we have got workers from, uh, uh, or former workers from No Evil Foods. We've got uh, John and Megan and Courtney. Y'all on the line? Hey. Hey. Wonderful. It worked. Very good. Amazing. Fantastic. All right. So, uh, so we, so, so here's uh, going to set it up just a little bit. And then John and Megan and, and, and y'all, I'll, I'll give it to you. Um, no Evil Foods is a vegan grocery store kind of thing in North Carolina. Is that right? Uh, they are a uh, plant meat production company, so they're not a store. They, just, oh, okay. they actually just produce the plant meat. Gotcha. Gotcha. Man. Jacob does terrible. Absolutely. Uh, Apparently, man. he's never. He hasn't listened to the working on <laughs> oh, podcast no, or the Dixieland of the Proletariat I'm... podcast. Good <laughs> Lord, man! Come on. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so, so they they were y'all worked there and y'all wanted to uh, you know form a union. And y'all were basically fired for your organizing. So start off with, tell us about No Evil Foods and like what what you know what is their deal? What is No Evil Foods and what are they, what? How do they present themselves to the public? Yeah, either one can go. So essentially, No Evil Foods um, they market themselves as though they're this super lefty, progressive, socialist company. They have product names like Comrade Cluck and, up until recently, El Zapatista Chorizo. Uh, they, they basically market themselves as these far-lefty, progressive, anti-pollution, revolutionary. Yeah, they even describe themselves as revolutionaries. Um, yeah, revolutionary leaders in the, the new food movement, uh, you know, as far as being plant-based. And... Um, it just doesn't really match up with what we actually experience working there. Mm, right, right. And to set to set the stage, basically what what the what the entire thing was surrounding was, uh, you know, y'all went to work at No Evil Foods because it's vegetarian. It's uh, they 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 present a good uh, front, seeming to help the environment, seeming to you know pro- pro- provide more healthy foods things like that but then uh as as you started working there during from from this is from what i've heard listening to working peoples and to 
to Dixieland. Um, we got into the to the pandemic. There were issues during the pandemic with the way that they were treating y'all. Uh, as far as your health goes, as far as your safety goes, and you guys decided that it may be time to, to organize a union. And you began realizing that maybe they they weren't quite aligned with uh, your values as much as what they like to portray themselves as. Is that correct? Yeah. And what, what were some of those issues that, that originally made you think like, we, we need a union here. What, what were some of those? Tell, tell us about that. Because the audience here, uh, you know, a lot of them probably haven't listened to the Working People yeah. podcast that y'all are on or, the, or, or even the Dixieland of the Proletariat podcast that y'all are on. So the, the union drive actually started, I think, before any of us got there. Um, essentially what happened was people who had been there for years – saw all of these like rapid changes being made and wanted more of a say in what was going on in the workplace, you know, as far as my understanding goes. And that's when union reps were actually contacted. And uh, so what, um, so what they, what management ended up doing was changing the schedule from a four day work week to a five day work week. And that resulted in a, a large portion of the staff quitting who had initially started the union drive because they had built their lives around this schedule and all of a sudden they were changing it. Um, Part of the problem right there. But um, what ended up happening was once all of those people quit, uh, they uh, pretty much didn't have the union drive going super strong there until somebody who had been there kind of picked up the torch and started talking to new people, namely us, you know, and just kind of picked up that momentum that had been going on from before we were there. And that's kind of how it really all got started. And there were things here and there, like different safety concerns as far as some of the equipment goes and as far as training goes. And those of us who were very, very open to the idea of unionization from the start were all about getting this union in here to improve those things. I mean, it's, it's kind of strange. They didn't want they 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 didn't want a union in their workplace. So and 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 of course that's not strange at all. I'm being you know <laughs> hypocritical, but uh, it's, you know what we constantly talk about is the union. The union is not some big boogeyman from the outside. The union is basically the workers in the workplace having a say in what they are producing and, and you know and their working conditions every day. So they began, they, I guess there was a, there was a big union drive before they cut the, some of the workforce down or some of the workforce left, but luckily somebody, well, I say luckily, I don't know. There's still not a union in there, but, uh, I assume, I hope that they're still working on it, but luckily one of the, one of the employees that left started discussing with y'all about the possibilities of organizing and, and then from that point on. Where, 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 because I followed the case, but no one on the radio, and apparently Jacob hadn't either. <laughs> so, so Man, where, David from that point on, where, where did we end up? Because there, there's some terrible things that happened that, but in, in the end, y'all, y'all kind of won out. Where, what happened during this organizing drive? 
Um, so basically what happened was, uh, we picked up the, like Megan said, we kind of picked up the torch and, uh, picked up where everybody had left, uh, left off previously with the union drive. And so January, uh, rolls around this January of this year. And, um, they basically, they, they knew that a union drive was coming. They, I'm sure people had gone back and told them. And so what they ended up doing is, um, there was just, one day where I, I came into work and the entire warehouse was plastered with uh, these these posters about how um, uh, union authorization cards are like legally binding documents and uh, the, the word dues was mentioned like a thousand times on this paper and so the propaganda started with these little um, these little like posters that went up all over the warehouse but the real thing that they did that really turned the tables on us was these uh, anti these mandatory uh, anti union meetings, and yeah. that was probably the most um, traumatic part of the whole experience. And these these anti union meetings are, if we're going to talk about anything as far as what people need to know before they start unionize or start a union drive, or, um, it's these meetings because these meetings, as I'm sure you know, are so common and. The rhetoric at these meetings is so common, and yeah, that's debunking one of the... the claims and what they say at these meetings is is so essential to helping future organizers figure out what to ex- what to expect before to monopolization. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. And we've got <clears throat> we've got those clips queued up. So whenever uh, you know, w- w- whenever uh, you want us to play one of them, and, and where you want us to play it, let us know the name of the clip, and we'll start playing it. Uh, but you know, just talk talk to us a little bit. You know, uh, give us a, a, a what are these meetings like? You know, like how do they present them, and 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 what happens in these meetings? So essentially, what they did is they would. Um, what they would do is they would take first shift and second shift and they would have two separate meetings each day. They would stop production. Um, so they would cut into their profits to have these meetings. They would stop production in the middle of the shift. Um, and they would shove just about 20 to 25 of us in a tiny room that was maybe meant for 15 people tops. And, uh, just tell us how aggressive uh, and they would aggressively tell us, you know, how bad these, how bad unions are. And, they would throw all kinds of uh, little talking points in there about how, you know, collective bargaining, you know, the process in which you decide a contract with your employers. They would talk about how nothing is guaranteed. You could lose all the benefits that you even have now. They, essentially, they were driving home that nothing is guaranteed and this union is not guaranteed to help you, which historically isn't really all that accurate like it's something that's possible but everything was done in a very misleading way they would give us fractions of articles talking about different issues within the ufcw that was the the um the union we were trying to organize with at the time um they would say you know oh look at them they had all these embezzlement issues not really explaining that uh, these people were held accountable, different things like that. They played up on fears of sexual harassment, um, saying, oh, well, the union, they don't have to take any calls that they don't want. And it was just a lot of gaslighting the entire time. Right, right. And, you know, that's not even to discount the fact that there are 
you know, unions, like as I, you know, people, a lot of people know that I'm a big union advocate, like in my personal life. And, and so they'll talk to me about it sometimes and they'll, and they'll bring up stuff like that. They'll bring up things like, oh, well, there's this one time when this one person who happened to be in a union did something bad related to the union. And I'm like, look, you know, unions are human institutions. You, unions have people in them. Anytime you get folks in anything, you're going to mess it up. I mean, you know, like there's, there's no such thing as like a perfect institution. There's no such thing as a perfect organization. You're going to have issues. The question is, does it help you? The question is, will my life be better if I have a union or if I don't? And the, and the answer is always you're gonna you're gonna, your life is gonna be better if you have a union where you work. I mean it's just it's just that simple. And then and then after that, after you answer that simple question, then you start to get into like okay, there are issues potential. You know maybe you know there are some people that have got a really good you know that they've got a really good setup with their union and, and they don't have any issues and that's great and that's you know but but there are other people that you know after you answer that first question then you're saying okay. Let me look at these issues and let me as a member, as an active participant in my life and in my society and on my job, in my workplace, let me see how I can go to make it better. You know, just because there are issues doesn't mean that you just like throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, you throw out, throw out the bathwater and you keep the baby and then you clean the baby. Absolutely, 100%. That is spot on because, in one of those clips that we had sent you, I actually point this out to, to one of the owners, Deidre. I explained to her that you know a lot of these problems that you're talking about are societal and they're not really indicative of you know, how a union would necessarily act here and how we would in turn be able to respond to it. Because even if you're upset with your union rep and you're upset with the organization in general, as workers, you're able to combat all of that. There's yep. processes for this. Right. And, you know, they just completely kind of sidestepped all of that and continued to gaslight us about how a union wouldn't guarantee anything for us. Yeah. Right. And it's unfortunate that, you know, a lot of times – Unions in general, and especially, you know, me going in as an organizer uh, in different areas, you get this pushback that, you know, the un- this, this, this thought that the union thugs and their strong arms and, you know, they're, 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 they're going to push you into doing things. And the fact of the matter is in every organizing drive I've, I've been, uh, that I've helped in, without without every time they the company has brought people in they have done these closed door sessions and they're re- they're really uh i mean they're they're the they're the epitome of the of the union thug except for they're the company mm-hmm. thug and they refuse to let anybody walk out right. they generally refuse to let anybody ask questions because they know questions will bring some of their lies to lie, but also one of the things that I noticed that, that y'all discussed in one of the other podcasts was the anxiety ridden, uh, meetings, you know, that, that people have, people have a difficult time sitting in these meetings and being forced, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of preached at like dogs and, right. uh, it's terrible. It's really terrible. 
Well, yes, and you know, those meetings, like we've been talking about the meetings, tell us one of the clips that you want us to play that really that, that really kind of gets at the heart of the matter. Like, you know, what, what's one, one of them that you, you would want to highlight? Um, I, I'm just not sure how it's labeled. It's the one with, um, it's one with Sadra Shadell. She's one of the owners and she's talking about sexual harassment. And that really just kind of encapsulates the, the fears that they use to, um, kind of weigh people as far as voting against the union. Right. John, you sent like, us those uh, clips. What's that one? What's that one named? Oh, uh, shoot. I, I don't have them in front of me. Um, I think it was actually just called uh, sexual harassment. Okay. The, hmm. Well, they're short. We'll just hit them. Okay. All right. So here, here's the first one. Maybe. Maybe. Fracture versus this. The impact for us to deal. We had no, It starts at zero. So it would happen. There's no yeah. The reason that I was beat. The only reason that anybody is because they believe. In place right now. The difference being contract, and it would be all um, the wages would be still increased. Yes. Sorry, and it would be like this would happen without a contract. Mm-hmm. And all of our wages contract, it would be on. Exactly. The brutal reality of that. Hmm. If was man on the planet, he would do that. And you know, to get the people, much money's been in that stuff. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. With okay. Hmm. The audio on that is absolutely terrible. I oh. mean, not not y'all's audio that you sent, but we we've got we're juggling six or eight different uh, lines here, trying to blend everything in. It's near impossible uh, to try to do it live. Yeah, we're sorry about that. We'll probably I'll probably when I'm when I'm putting the uh, the clip when I'm clipping this for for the YouTube, I'll, I'll throw them in. But uh, but but you know uh, you know tell us about some of the, some of the some of the some of the stuff that's in the clip that you haven't gone the clips that you haven't gone over already. Uh, yeah, so the one that Megan was talking about was basically uh, Sadra Shadell. She's the uh, CCO and one of the co-founders of No Evil Foods, and she was talking about how. Um, if the union comes in, they could basically make it easier for sexual harassers to get away with sexual harassment. And so that's um, that was the clip that uh, she, Megan had been talking about. But um, I'm just trying to remember the, the other ones that I had sent. There were so many. There was like four. Yeah, there was. Uh, <clears throat> uh, let's see here. Yeah, what were he, he's going to tell us the names of them. Uh one of the ones that really stuck out to me was the uh, capital investors. If if you guys organize, it's uh, really terrible for us to get any more money because uh, they don't want to deal. <laughs> they don't want to deal with people that that want to make a living wage. Yeah, yeah, and so that that last um, that, that the clip that you're talking about is from uh, Mike Walianski. He was the uh, he's the CEO. And um, so that last speech, so they gave us, there, there were several speeches that um, they had basically given the workers. Uh, one of them was from the uh, VP of manufacturing. Another one was from the uh, plant manager. And then there were, there was one from uh, Mike, and then there was one from Stager. So they're, they're the two, co- um, two founders. And the last speech that Mike gave was probably like the worst one because it really, I think it really just turned the tide on everything. 
it scared people more than I think any of the other ones did because he talked about basically people losing their jobs, possibly mm. losing their jobs, and essentially saying he didn't know what investors would do if this union went through and how they would run the other direction if he was to come across this on his desk and we were unionized. Right, right. And that's, you know, I mean, talking, you know, threatening job loss, uh, you know, that's, I mean, that's illegal. But it's constant. Yeah, it's illegal, but it's constant. Uh, You know, and so, so, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll talk about, you know, that there's there's so many different tricks that they have. And was there any, any others that you wanted to highlight? Uh, um, and then after, after that, I want to throw it to Nelson because he's he's got some some good stories about what happened with those clips. But but, but were there any others that you wanted to highlight, uh, uh, you know, the content of it really quick? Um, I was going to just say if, if uh, Courtney is here, uh, she actually had an experience um but me and Megan were on second shift. She was on first, so she could probably speak more to that. Okay, no, she uh, she's not on the line right now. I don't know if she's listening, okay. but I hadn't been able to. Uh, I accidentally she called in, and I hit the wrong button. I tried to put her on the air, and I hit like drop her. So oh, <laughs> so no. she's That's so okay. so she's gone. So if she's listening. She can call back in, but no, I don't. She's not on the line right now. Okay, Nelson. Yeah, so so you know this is this is not the first interview that y'all have given. Y'all y'all been on Working People's podcast. You've been on Dixieland of the Proletariat podcast, and they have been able to figure out this fancy technology so that they can play the stuff on their. Yeah, on well, their show. I mean, they record. Yeah, they're, they're recording. So, so they it's put, a little bit. <laughs> it's, it's a little bit different technology when you got two or three days to sit down and yeah. edit everything and blend it together as opposed so, to trying to throw all this together on live. So Not only got, on the radio, but on Facebook, right, YouTube, right. and everything uh-huh. else. Yeah, so they, they had the clips. And Nelson, what did No Evil Foods do to y'all playing those clips? What what happened to y'all? They, uh, they did what rich people do best, and they tried to intimidate us with their lawyers and tried to say that, uh, that the... Uh, the audio clips were somehow copyright to them, even though uh, North Carolina is a, it's one of those states where you don't have to get the consent of the person you're recording, whatnot. But, um, so we added the, uh, the files to the episode and, uh, they, uh, contacted the, uh, company that we host our podcast with and tried to get the episode taken down. And, uh, they luckily, did get it taken down. Yeah. Uh, they were they? not. Well, I know on Working People's Pod they got it taken down. Maybe on yours, the yours somehow slipped under the rug. I think that uh, so the first time we host with uh, Libsyn, so they contacted Libsyn, and uh, Libsyn, thank goodness, you talked to an actual real person. So we were able to get up with them. Like it was a coordinated effort. I podcast the people with uh, the. Uh, guys we're talking to now from Noble Foods, like a number and working people's pile, like a number of people came together and we were like, Look, uh, this is ridiculous. Uh, we wrote them and we told them like everything the like, message the guy at Lipson was like, Hey, this is frivolous, this is stupid, etc. And uh it turned out that um I don't know the the uh Megan, y'all could go into like how they basically use like a fake they tried to use y'all's twitter handle like as an alias to try to circumvent like think that they were being sneaky and uh and they 
So they, they tried to get it taken down, and, and Lipstrom was just like, yeah, this is stupid. And uh, they, they sided with us on the, the copyright complaint, uh, and we were able to get the episode back up. Uh, we weren't, they did the same thing with SoundCloud because we have to upload differently to SoundCloud. And uh, with SoundCloud, you don't talk to a human being, and their customer service is horrible. And so we ended up just, uh, it wasn't put back on SoundCloud. We ended up taking our podcast down on SoundCloud altogether because we didn't want to deal with them. What's but, strange? Uh, but yeah. What's strange is the fact that if if there's nothing wrong with these uh, thuggish uh, closed door corporate meetings, mm-hmm. and they're telling the truth about the union, and they're telling the truth about what's going to happen mm-hmm. with the union, it, it makes no sense to me. Why don't you want this out? That, yeah, I mean, that seems like right. perfectly good sense. Hey, mm-hmm. we we need to get this information out to everybody so everybody right. can know what's going on. But yet they're doing everything they can to hide it, to cover everything up, and it makes you wonder. Somebody with a little bit of sense, what the hell do y'all want to hide? What is there to hide if 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 you're telling the truth? That's that's really, I I agree with that entirely, and that's that's the most frustrating thing for me is if everything they said at these meetings was true, then what's the problem? Why why don't they want this audio Mm -hmm. out there? Why can't people hear what they had to say? Why don't they want, quote, their side out there so people know they're supposed reasons for not wanting this union in there yeah right right yeah yeah uh, i mean that that's exactly it uh um and you know like we said nelson wasn't the only folks at dixie pearl they're not the only folks who've had issues with them no evil foods have been going after everybody and i assume once we put this on youtube with the clips in it uh you know i mean i don't know maybe dixie pearl and working people have a lot bigger a lot wider listenership than we do so maybe they will uh uh maybe we'll be under (laughs) be able to slip under the radar (laughs) but i wouldn't be surprised if youtube tries to take it down because no evil foods tries to claim that uh uh that copyright you know and so we're uh uh so we are um uh going into we've got just a couple more minutes uh before the break is uh before we've got that hard bottom of the hour break um so we are uh uh we're talking to the folks with no evil food who are fired from no evil foods can one of y'all um just start on telling us uh, what was their justification for firing you? So I'll start. I'll start real quick with Courtney. Um, so uh, and this kind of plays into COVID a little bit because what happened was after we had lost the union vote, um, we ended up. Uh, everybody at the production facility was freaking out because of COVID, and we we worked in a very small enclosed environment, so people were worried, and we ended up uh, putting a petition together for hazard pay. And this petition, and the reason that we did that, part of the reason we needed a petition for hazard pay was because the policy that they had rolled out for their version of hazard pay was we had to maintain 90 days of perfect attendance in the middle of this pandemic in order for us to get hazard pay. We had to qualify for hazard pay by having 90 days of perfect attendance first. (laughs) And so um, we all knew that that was kind of awful. And so this petition is the result of that. And, um, once they found out about the petition and they knew that the petition organizers, many of them, not all, but many of them were also union organizers, they began firing people for stupid reasons. And so Courtney had been fired for uh, a dress code violation. They said that like a, a pair of pants that she had worn a million times uh, was too short. Um, and then I was fired for a lack of, uh, for not um, adhering to social distancing pro- uh, guidelines. 
Um, they said that I wasn't taking uh, social distancing right. seriously, which is just funny because yep. I was one of the loudest people telling them that they needed to do more about the pandemic. Yeah, Megan, we are coming up on a break. We're going to let you finish uh, finish that thought on the other side. This is our bottom of the hour news break. We are coming to you commercial free, except for that, courtesy of the Alabama AFL-CIO. If you've got any questions for us, give us a call at 1-866-494-9866. This is the Valley Labor Report. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. You got the principal David at it up. You got the fire shut it at it up. You got the principal David at it up. You got the fire. You got yourself a girl. All right, welcome back, folks. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. I was on the on the line with a uh, disgruntled caller in the break, so I'm not 100 percent positive where where we left off at. Jacob, you want to take it away? Yeah, yeah, and you'll have to tell us about that. I was curious to hear about that uh, caller. So we'll... <laughs> that's the only bad uh, thing. Well, it's not the only bad thing. It's one of the bad things about broadcasting on a conservative radio show. Is there's a lot of crazy conservatives out there. I mean, literally. Well, <laughs> yeah. So we we were um, so what where we left off. Um, uh, we were, uh, uh, I think Megan was her name. She was telling us about, uh, you know, why, what, what their justification was for her being fired. Uh, and, and, you know, Megan and John, they were both fired from No Evil Foods for organizing, obviously, and well, jumping a bit ahead, but they won the case in front of the labor board. Uh, so that they, you know, they have been vindicated in that. They, they were fired for organizing, but that, what, but, but we were going over. Why, why, how the company justified it uh, because obviously they didn't say that it was for organizing they said it was for something else so we were going over that so uh, finish your thought so um, I, so Megan here I wasn't I actually was not fired it was John and Courtney that were both fired for their organizing efforts with Courtney they um, they basically said that she was violating the dress code over a pair of pants that she had worn multiple times to work without any issues and then as far as John getting fired, um, they said that it was over um, social distancing issues, hmm. which was just silly in itself because he was one of the main people pointing out to management that it was almost nearly impossible to social distance effectively and still do your job effectively. Uh, that was one of the main risks and problems there, which is why we needed the hazard pay. But um, I'll let John touch on that more. Uh, but, yeah, so... Um with the, uh, sorry, what am I touching on? Uh, you, you get inspired. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So that kind of ties into the, NLR, <laughs> that kind of ties into the NLRB case um, because uh, me and Courtney both filed NLRB charges after we were fired, and um, they were over violations of the NLRA. And I don't want to speak too much for Courtney, but um, my case and the actual violations of the NLRA revolve around the fact that I had been pulled off the production floor um, prior to, um, or actually around the time that they had found out about hazard pay, or uh, the hazard pay petition. So I was pulled off the production floor by the head of HR, and I was interrogated about the petition, which is not exactly something that's legal under the NLRA. And specifically, I was asked if the petition has anything to do with the union drive. Um, so. If, I mean, if it, I'm, as I'm sure you know, uh, 
anything about like labor laws and especially the NLRA, they're not supposed to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Most of the things that the company does in these cases are right. highly illegal, but yeah. they get away with them anyways, because a lot of times, uh, you know, people yeah. are reluctant to, to take a stand. Yeah. Right, so, right. Um, yeah. So, so, you know, you, you uh, so what was the process? Uh, what, what was that process like? Cause I've, I've never, you know, I'm a very big union advocate and I'm very active in, in the union, but I've never actually gone through a, uh, a case in front of the labor board. So talk to us about, you know, what, what that was like, uh, uh you know, you were, uh, you told us, you know, what, what the violation was, what was it like, kind of like filing that, um, that complaint and, and going and, you know, I'm assuming there were like hearings or, 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 or things like that. What, you know, what, walk us through that process and what it was like and, and what the outcome ended up being. Sure. Um, that's actually, that's a really good question. So, um, the, the process itself, um, and I, before I had actually, because I, I, I had thought about it after I was fired, and I was like, okay, now what do I do? Um, and I and it was especially frustrating for me because I had actually moved to North Carolina to take this job specifically. Mm-hmm. And so I was sort of like, after after I was fired, I was kind of like, you know, stunned in a way. And then as I thought about it, I was sort of hesitant to even file with the NLRB because I, knowing what I know about the NLRB, and especially over the last few years as it's become increasingly uh, less powerful. Um, I didn't have a lot of faith in actually filing the charge. Um, but I, you know, I, I just said, okay, well, what's the worst that could happen? And I just kind of, I went with it. And so the, the process itself starts where you call the NLRB and then you, um, or no, I'm sorry, you can call or you can do it online too. You can file online as well. And I had actually filed online, but after you file or you call them, they call you back and you basically get hooked up with a uh, an NLRB investigator. And then this person basically listens to your case. They ask you a lot of questions. And then they ask you if you have any supporting evidence. And if you do, you can submit it through their website. And it just kind of goes from there. Um, and they also do have, and this was kind of surprising to me, they do apparently have subpoena power, which means yes. if your employer or people that you worked with um, – are kind of hesitant or don't really know if they want to talk, the NLRB can kind of persuade them to talk, which is good, especially if you have the truth on your side. And I did, fortunately. So um, that kind of led to me winning the case. And uh, that was really surprising for me. I didn't expect to actually win. Um, And when I say win, what I mean by that is it didn't actually go to court. We never actually went in front of a judge. Um, The lawyers talked and no evil decided to settle out of court. Hmm. And I think the reason they did that is because they knew that they would have lost if they went to court. And part of the reason that they would have lost, and this is something that I really think is so important to emphasize is that I had documented everything. I had, I had recordings, I had pictures, I had uh, every email correspondence, I had everything saved and ready to go throughout the whole process from the, from the, from the day really that I started, but especially after the, the, the mask started coming off and I started to see that this company was not what I thought it was. I just started documenting everything. And that is basically what saved the case. Right. Um, having, having everything saved and able to send them and not having to remember anything because I, it was everything that, had happened to me, you know, like if you have the truth on your side, you don't have to really remember a whole lot. Mm-hmm. You just have to 
speak what happened, you know, and it's, it's a very easy thing to do. Right. And, you know, that that's important for, for anybody out there that is considering or that is in the middle, potentially, of a union drive or that is considering starting a union drive. You know, anytime you're in the in a room with your boss, like start recording. Um, Alabama is a one party consent state. You don't have to if you're in a conversation with your supervisor or or anybody else. But you know, we're this is the context that we're talking in. Uh, if you're in a conversation with somebody, you don't have to get their permission to record them. Uh, if you're, you know, so so uh, like I, I had I had a friend one time that I had mentioned something about. You know, ha- have you ever considered organizing? He was telling me about some issues, and he said that. <clears throat> He had said something as a joke uh, in front of his boss, and his boss was like, if you even think about starting a union, I will fire you. And I'm like, man, if you had that on tape, like that would be a golden ticket right there, you know, like, so make sure that you start, you know, like if you're, if you're even considering going forward, make sure that you're doing like John did and documenting everything, uh, because you'll be able, you know, like John was, you'll be able to, to win or, or get them to settle, settle out of court like, like, like John did. Uh, you know, so that, that's a really important, important thing that, that you hit on John. Uh, definitely. Do- documenting everything is, is so important. It really is. Yeah. So, yeah. So where are we at with the, and, and y'all may not even want to say, you know, I don't know. Uh, where are y'all at as far as, is there still a drive going on? Are we, are we actively, uh, encouraging the workers over there to organize, uh, you know, kind of, and, and like I say, if, if, if that's still kind of under the radar, then, then just say no. We're not doing it. Um, well, it's hard for me to say for sure uh, whether or not there's a drive going on right now. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that there's not an interest in it, um, but it's so hard to say because they have had so much turnover since all of this started. Yeah, I mean um, that's between between the-, the union drive and purging people over that, and then yeah. the the COVID response. Um, it's a little difficult to say, but part of the uh, NLRB settlement involves them posting up something in a uh, in a common area in uh, the facility, yeah. basically stating that they have the right to organize. They have the right to organize specifically with the UFCW or any other union. Um, the uh, the flyer also mentions my name, and it says that they're not going to retaliate against people. It's a very boilerplate kind of thing, but if somebody is casually over there by their uh, kombucha dispenser um, uh, re- reading this and they see it then you know maybe they'll they'll kind of maybe get an interest in it interest. Right. yeah that's the unfortunate part about uh, terrible companies like that is the mm-hmm. turnover is generally so high yep. uh, either they're terminating people or people just get sick mm-hmm. and tired of dealing mm-hmm. with their horse crap that they leave and so it's difficult to to uh, sustain, you know, an organizing effort there. And, and we say it all the time, well, you know, good companies, generally a, a decent company, a good company that treats their employees properly, that gives them a voice on the, on the, in the job, they, mm-hmm. they don't need a union. They don't right. have a union. You, the, the companies that you get the union that you deserve. When you start right. treating people like crap, that's when, you start getting, you know, talks of a union in place. Right. So, yeah. So, you know, uh, so apparently no evil foods is actually 
Pretty evil. Pretty, pretty evil. evil. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, uh, uh, Nelson, you, you've you been pretty quiet most of the time. We had you jump in when we, when, when we had your, you know, talked about the the um, the stuff with the copyright and, and um, you know, them trying to get your show taken down. Uh, you know, as as you've gone through, you know, you've been, you know, you've had multiple episodes with the, the former workers from No Evil Foods. Uh, you know, I'm interested in, in kind of any thoughts that, that you would have, uh, you know, after having kind of gone through this process with them um, being now kind of towards the end of at least these workers journey uh, with this uh, with this company and with this drive you know if, if a drive continues it'll be kind of uh, you know they won't be there because they're not working there anymore so I'm interested in, in you know what you had uh, you know what your kind of thoughts are coming away uh, and if anybody's listening they want to uh, ask a question one 494 is the phone number uh, so Nelson you know what are your thoughts uh, I, I thought the entire thing, I mean, first off, I'm going to say that Joe and Megan and Courtney, y'all are extremely brave for doing this. Uh, you don't really, they like to say that our generation is lazy and entitled and whatnot, but y'all really took on uh, a giant. I, I didn't know that they were funded by venture capitalists until later on, so y'all really took on like a giant and held your ground and, and did something great. And I, I never worked for a company that had a union. I've never been a union member, et cetera. Um, so I had no idea the process to go through to, uh, to form a union. All I've done is just read and hit what the documented history books and whatnot. But, uh, it really opened my eyes to just the, the, the problems in this country when it comes to workers trying to form a union. Like I study political science and I like research like the Tap Harvey Act and things like that and how that needs to go away. And it just really just brick by brick, they completely dismantled it seems like uh, the process almost made it almost impossible to try and form. We're going into like the Lochner era of, of unionization. Like it just, they, they don't want people to form unions. And like I said, I never, I didn't grow up in a union household. I don't know with anyone. Uh, I think my mom might've been in the nurses union back in the day in California, New York, but like there's no one that I've been able to talk to about, Unions, so I've just been really curious, and, and y'all and Valley Labor really opened my eyes to like the struggle of the modern day labor movement. And uh, I, my thoughts are like, you know, I think that this has been extremely educational, and I hope that people that listen to to y'all and all the podcasts that have done this like have an idea now of what to expect going into a union drive. And uh, I just want to say thanks because y'all, the, your episode has been extremely popular. Uh, people have really enjoyed it. Uh, I know we've all enjoyed it. So stay strong, y'all. I mean, it, I think it's great what y'all did try to do. Uh, if there's any other stuff going on, we'd love to have you back on. Thank you. Thank you. No problem. Love y'all. you guys. <laughs> yeah. And, and... I mean, I, like, I, I expect, I, I express some, uh, some pretty, uh, some, <laughs> some opinions on the podcast that I don't know if I want to, repeat them to a, to a radio audience because of the, you know, just other stuff in general. But uh, I'm pretty militant when it comes to a lot of things. So, you know, uh, I've been watching the great um, Italian-American pro-union uh, show The Sopranos. <laughs> so I've had a lot of ideas of how to, uh, to help people with the union drives from Tony Soprano. So I think, <laughs> I think that, uh, you know, the more militant I think that unions get, the better. I think that, you know, you need to start uh, what y'all do, like standing up for the bosses because they're not your friends. I mean, they, they, your boss 
I tried to explain this to people. Your boss is not your friend. You're all replaceable. You're just a number to these people. They do not care about you. And to kind of piggyback on what, what, what Dave said is like, you know, companies, uh, that are nice and, you know, treat you right. You know, you don't really have a union, but when everything starts going bad, you see their true colors. Like when they start, uh, when they start losing the profits and they start slipping, et cetera, and even during now with COVID and shutdown, the first thing they do is cut labor costs. And the first thing they do with that is start firing people. So the only time, anytime workers have protection is with the labor union. So they really need to, uh, we need to start looking at our bosses as not family. I hate, I hate, 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 when managers and bosses like we're all a family, it really happens like small businesses like mom and pop operations. But like, you know, we're a family. You know, you know, we're blah blah blah. It's like, I would not fire my mom. Like, let's stop telling me that you're family. I, I'm Italian American. I know what family means. So like, don't get me with that crap that we're a family. I mean, you're not my family. So I think that uh, the, the message coming forward needs to be like, you know, your boss doesn't care about you. You're not family. The only friends you have in this are your fellow workers. Yeah, and so right. you need to organize. Well, I mean, there's a reason why we call each other brothers and sisters in right. the union, because we are family, because we right. understand what it's like to struggle alongside each other for better health care, for better wages, for better benefits, and for a voice in, mm-hmm. uh, in the workplace. Right. You know, And that that is what family is about, is taking care of each other whenever we're down. And the company... You know, but for, for, I don't. I don't care what they're paying you. Right. Look at what they've yeah. done to No Evil Foods, or, or look at what they've done to these yeah. workers at No Evil Foods, and, and and it's it's there's no family there. Their only consideration right. is making a dollar off of your labor. Right. right. Simple as that. Yeah. And, and it's really it's really important to point out that No Evil Foods is not. They don't market themselves like, you know, Walmart or, yeah. you know, uh, yeah, Ingalls or Kroger. Uh, this is a company that markets itself very much under that mentality where the boss is your friend. Um, right. They they brag throughout these meetings about how they have an open door policy and they pay a living wage. And um, actually, they, they paid a uh, certified living wage until over the summer when they lost that certification because <laughs> of the union busting. Um but yeah, they, right. they, they really stressed that, and they talked about how they had a family meal once a week, family, and they used that word. It was a family yeah. meal. That's how they phrased it. And yeah. there were free snacks in the break room, and they, like I said, they, they, they now have a kombucha dispenser. They got all this fancy stuff, yeah. and they make it really sound like you're part of this family, but you're also part of this family that is very expendable. And if, right. and if a company that can brand themselves like this can do this to, to their workers and treat them this expendable – then mm-hmm. you had better bet that the company that you work for that doesn't market themselves like this, it's right. definitely going to treat you like this. Yeah, that that's exactly right. And uh, you know that that was a that was a good place to um, that, that that's a that's a good kind of bow on it. We had a caller, uh, Dave Lehive is the um, uh, David. What what is he? He's a brother of of David's in the Machinist Union. What is Dave's uh, position in the Machinist Union? Dave is the communications director for IAM District One Forty One, which oversees a lot of the uh, aerospace industry, as far as the mm-hmm. right. uh, transportation, uh, the uh, 
stewards of stewardess. I, I don't know what right, they right, call right. I'm not in that industry, but he's basically the communications director for 141. He does a, an, an absolutely he, amazing he, job. He does a great job, and he's he's been really he, – he's been uh, listening to the show every week and commenting and sharing, and, and we appreciate his support and, and helping us out. Uh, uh, and and he, he had a comment that I, I thought was – that, that I thought was good and important and relevant. So, uh, Dave, you're on the line. Uh, uh, you know, what, what, what was it that you wanted to add to the conversation here? Well, first off, I just want to wish you guys a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, uh, brother. And, and you guys do a fantastic, fantastic job on the show. Uh, the reason why I was calling was, with all the conversation today, I think one of the uh, important parts of organizing uh, is uh, we're, we're missing the part of the National Labor Relations Board. We want to make sure that we have the right people in there that will uh, listen to our needs and concerns while we go into these organizing campaigns. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's something I, I, I was going to point that out on your own, but there was so much conversation mm-hmm. going on. And uh, one of the things that, uh, that they mentioned was the fact that he didn't think that he would uh, had, had, would be able to win a case to the NLRB. And the reason that is, is because the NLRB is appointed by the president. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately the president has appointed a bunch of corporate whores on the mm-hmm. NLRB to to basically knock down everything that any any workers uh, bring before them, mm-hmm. and and part of taking the and the bad thing is the NLR the NLRB was set up to protect for the mm-hmm. express intent of protecting workers' rights, right? And we've got corporate lawyers uh, serving on the board mm-hmm. that that could care less about the workers' right. rights. So to your point, you're absolutely correct. The only way we're ever going to get any favorable cases back at the NLR, NLRB is to uh, get somebody in there that, that actually cares about workers and not about uh, maintaining corporate power, corporate mm-hmm. status. And, you know, talking about the NLRB, we had a really good interview with a Jacobin contributing editor, Paul Prescott, about the NLRB and about some of their really anti-worker decisions that they have come out with uh under the Trump administration. It's, it's a really great, Paul does a good job. He, he did a, a similar interview on some other shows, um, uh, but you can go and find that on our YouTube channel as well if you want to learn more about, you know, the function of the NLRB and some of the extremely kind of bad cases that they, the, the bad precedents that they've set under the Trump administration uh, as well. You know, it's, it's important to, to, you know, it's important to know and important, like Dave said, to understand, like Dave and David said, to understand, uh, you know, where who appoints the NLRB and it's the president and you're not going to get worker friendly NLRB folks under a Trump administration. Well, I mean, not that you're not going to. We haven't. Right. right. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, we, we can have, see, you know, you can go back and watch that interview and see, you know, see what see the results. Like it's not a yeah, like De- like David said, it's it's not like a oh, will it or won't it be? It's like, OK, we, we've we've ran the experiment and we've got the results and they're bad for workers. Yeah. Right, right, absolutely. You know, I, I'm off the uh, the airline. I'm off the airline sector, and you know, we operate under a whole different uh, bunch of uh, labor rules. And we still, even when I was organizing way back when, still had trouble trying to get uh, a union on a property. And I know, I and I really feel for the the workers that are out there that are trying to organize uh, their company. Um, it, it's a tough struggle, but it's a worthwhile struggle. I mean, I've been a union member for you know over well over 20 years now. And it's the best thing that uh, you know, that I ever did. I know it's the best thing our, our members ever did was to get themselves union representation. So uh, I commend those that are actually fighting for 
the right the right thing, and that's getting a, a union shop on the property. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for calling in, brother. Is there anything yeah. else you need not, to, not to say, brother? Uh, no, I you know I just uh, I do appreciate what you guys are doing. I think it's it's great that you guys are uh, down there informing people in the south about the the positive side of unions and and uh, keep doing what you're doing. I think you guys are are getting a great uh, following out there, and you're getting people that are tuning in and and starting to hear the facts and understanding that you know unions uh, are are a good thing and and they can help help the workers and uh, just just keep working because I, I think we're we're going to turn this country around and it's going to be labor unions here are going to be able to do it. You're so, right. So uh, absolutely. Thanks again, right. guys. I appreciate it. You guys have a great great day. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. Dave. Thanks, brother Dave. Have a happy new year. Yep. You too. Now. Bye bye. Now, uh, one of y'all, I think from uh, No Evil Foods, I think. Y'all was about to uh, uh, jump in and, and say something. Um, uh-oh. Oops. Well, we dropped everybody. <laughs> um, well, one of, one of the folks from... Uh, we've got about four minutes. Yeah, we've yeah, only so got about four minutes. Wow. So, um, you know, if they... Uh, <clears throat> oh, we, we got them calling back in. Um Yep, so we're about to put them back on the air, and now they are on the air. Okay. Hey, so, sorry about that. Oh, no, that was our fault. That was our fault. So what, what was y'all about to uh, – uh, so one of y'all was about to interject and, and, and say something. So what, what, what was that and for, for kind of y'all's final thoughts about, there? Yeah, three minutes left. Yeah, I just wanted to say that um, what the caller was saying about the NLRB is so true, and that was what was the most surprising thing for me is that uh, going into it, I didn't think that it, that we would have a victory, especially under the Trump and NLRB, but we did, and that kind of speaks to how badly right. they messed up, or No Evil Foods messed up, and right. how overwhelming the evidence was against them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, what you see, and, and not to get too far in the weeds, but... The, the Trump appointees are at, at the uh, national level, and so what you see is at the regional levels, like where you were initially uh, filed a report, they are still worker-friendly. And, mm-hmm. and it's the same way here in Birmingham. Uh, you, you got a good chance, if you got a good case, of winning that. The problem comes in is generally a larger company with a lot of funds will appeal those decisions mm-hmm. to to the higher uh, in the the higher boards, and that's where it gets shot down every time. Luckily, y'all had a good enough case. It sounds like probably the corporate lawyer told them you're going to lose this one way or the other because I've seen mm-hmm. that happen numerous times where they say you better cut your losses now because right. you're going to pay more in the end than you are up if you just pay it out right now and, and cut your losses. So, congratulations yeah. to y'all. I mean, that's mm-hmm. wonderful to you know to hear people fighting and winning out there. Right. Yeah, thank you. Well, yeah, well, uh, uh, we'll uh, we we really appreciate y'all taking the time uh, to call in and talk to us. We enjoyed it. Thank you, thank you. I, I think it's been educational for the audience. You know, we kind of went in deep with this one story, um, but it's not just this. This happens every time, almost just about every time. You know, these uh, these stories. You can just just play it on repeat uh, whenever you've got a union driving. So that's why you know that's why it's helpful to go in really deep on, on some individual stories because they're indicative of trends. You know, it's not just these folks; it's it's what these folks represent. And uh, you well, know, it's we, part of inoculation. You, right, yeah, right. That, and that, that that's something that it's constantly needs to be done: is inoculate, inoculate, inoculate. Mm-hmm. Tell people what they're going to expect going right. in because it's brutal. 
Right, yeah, because it is and that, brutal, and that, and that's important. You know, inoculation that that's like what a vaccine does. You know, people talking about vaccines a lot. It inoculates you against the disease so that your body is ready to fight it. What we're doing, what we're doing, and what these what these clips are going to do. Make sure you're following us on YouTube so you can hear the clips when we put this out on YouTube. Uh, but but you know. W- if you are doing a union drive and you've never heard some of the vicious anti-union, anti-worker stuff that your boss will be willing to do, you might get scared and you might think, oh, maybe they're right. So that's why we want to educate you and show you up front what the boss is going to do so that you know what to expect, so that you see the lies before they tell it to you and you know that they're lies when you hear it. And, and you know, that's why stuff like this is so important. That's why we are so appreciative to the folks at No Evil Foods for talking to us. We appreciate folks like Nelson and Max on other podcasts doing this educational work as well. Uh, so we really enjoyed the conversation today. Folks, make sure you tune in next week. Make sure you're following us online and we will uh, see you next week with the Valley Labor Report.